It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. This is Trey. Thank you for joining us for another Tuesdays with Trey. Y'all know how much I love sports. You know, I love Shane Beamer. I liked him when he was at South Carolina as an assistant coach, and I followed his career. And then, of course, when Coach uh, Muschamp uh, left South Carolina, so much college football is recruiting. Do you want to play for that coach? And you cannot hear this guy or watch this guy and not want to play for him. So you already know that he exceeded everyone's expectations his first season, although maybe not his own. Won a bowl game against Chapel Hill, uh, beat Auburn, beat Florida, done great work on recruiting. You already know all that. But I want to tell you one quick little thing about him that you would never know. So I wake up at my normal 9.30, 10 a.m. one morning because, you know, I'm retired and I don't have anything going on and the golf course was closed. So I wake up late and I look down at my phone and it's a text from somebody named Shane Bieber. And I thought, well, that's weird. Got me, that's an unusual name. How could there be two people named Shane Bieber? And I look and I think, okay, maybe it is a coach from South Carolina. Maybe he needs something. Maybe he wants something. And you know what the text said? I hope you have a good day. And so I kept scrolling thinking, well, nobody does that. Nobody just says, I hope you have a good day. It's always followed up with, do you have a kidney that you could donate? Can you come down to Columbia in 100-degree heat and run wind sprints with my team? It's always something. Except with him, it is not. And it was not. He's just one of the nicest human beings on the face of the earth. So even if you don't pull for South Carolina football in the past, you got a reason to do it now. Coach, how are you? I am great. Even better after hearing that uh, introduction. Thanks for those kind words, and uh, thanks for having me on today. Uh, They're all true. You just came back from SEC media days. Um, What is it like being surrounded by reporters for a couple of days? (laughs) It's fun. Um, it's a, you know, you don't realize like all these years I watch it on television and you just think there's there's the the main stage that's like on SEC Network where I'm talking to all the reporters and then, you know, a couple other things. But it is a it's a full day of just from one room to the next room to the next room to the next room uh, asking a lot of uh, or answering a lot of questions. But it's fun. It's great being able to go over there and talk South Carolina football. It's great being able to you know, have the young men in our program, three of them that went with me to, you know, uh, let them experience that. They did a great job. And it's always like the kickoff to the upcoming college football season. So it was a, it was a fun day. And as always, all eyes of college football were on the SEC for those four days. Yeah, I mean, I hate these report cards that reporters do afterwards unless the person I like gets an A-plus. But that's <laughs> what they – I like it then. They gave you an A-plus – uh, and, and of course I watch all your press conferences. I mean, you, you do, 
you spend more time talking about your players and your assistant coach. You almost never talk about yourself. You just, all your time is spent talking about other people, which I guess is why you're doing so well in recruiting. You think? Yeah, maybe. Um, you know, I think it goes back to, you know, servant leadership and all that. And we've got some great people here in our program, players and coaches. And, and uh, you know, I get it on the face of the program. I'm the head coach, but it's, it's not about me. It's about the people around me. And, and I want to do as much as I can to, you know, showcase those guys uh, uh, also. And, um, you know, as part of being a leader and, and whatnot. So I, uh, I, you know, hope there's something to that, you know, for sure. I'm, I'm going to be me and, and, um, you know, so far we're doing okay. All right. I'm going to ask you one more question about SEC media days. Cause I I've seen you after the game, after the Carolina games, your children run out there. Your son is better known than you are in the state of South Carolina. Uh, <laughs> he really, he really has become famous. Uh, I went into, I went into a high school recruiting back in January and I walked in and the, uh, the, uh, the lady that was working behind the front desk said, I know who you are. You are Hunter Beamer's dad. She's exactly right. <laughs> well, I've seen you and you are so affable and you're so uh, complimentary of other coaches. But everyone has this like weak spot in life. And it has to be sitting next to Paul Feinbaum and not <laughs> wanting to hurt him. But you managed to do that. So... <laughs> How? I mean, I read the book of Job. He went through a lot, but he didn't have to sit by Paul Feinbaum. <laughs> Paul's great. Um, you know, he is certainly the voice of the SEC in so many ways. And, and um, uh, he, he's been very good to me. And anytime you get a chance to go on his show uh, and talk about our program, it's a, it's a great opportunity. So he uh, uh, I enjoy it. And, uh, you know, pretty cool being on the Paul Feinbaum show. It's not being with Trey Gowdy, but it's uh, it's pretty exciting. (laughs) You're so nice. When I hear him talking, I'm sitting there thinking, all right, I go go to Wikipedia to look up what position he played in college football. (laughs) I think he was a backup nose tackle, I think. (laughs) And then I think, okay, well, what's your coaching record? But you're you're so nice. All right, I'm going to move off that. All right. You exceeded – Maybe not your own expectations, but I remember saying if you're six and six, they're going to start naming stuff after you in South Carolina. And you were better than that. You you not only went to a bowl game, you won the bowl game. You won the bowl game against a great team and a great coach. So how do you balance high expectations with the reality? I think your team could be better this year, but your record may not be better. You got a yeah, tough schedule. No. It's a different time, and, and I talked about it in Atlanta last week. Was you know last year at this time there was excitement about South Carolina football, but it's because everything was new. It was a new head coach, and and uh, there wasn't a, there were very few expectations. It was a, kind of a feel good story going into year one. Well, now there's expectations, and people are talking about our players individually and and talking about our team. So you want that. You want high expectations. But I think the key for us is our players just being, one, mature enough to to handle that. By no means have we arrived. You know, we were – uh, had a great year one in a lot of ways, but our regular season record was six and six, which is very average. And uh, they didn't come here. Players didn't come here to be six and six. And I didn't come here to be six and six and ultimately seven and six like we were last season. So we need to realize all the work that went into last season, uh, everything that we went through 
to get to seven wins, how close we came as a team, the battles we went through and, and realize, and I said it last week, it's going to be an even harder step to, to take that next step. And, you know, you're right. Uh, we've, we've got a really good team. We've got a really tough schedule. There's no question about it um, uh, with who we play this upcoming season and where we play them. But, you know, that's what you sign up for. And, and for us, it's, it's very much, I know it's cliche, but we're very, you know, it's process oriented and put our head down and let's do the very best we can each week and, and try and get better as the year goes on. And that's one thing we did last year. We got better as the year went on and uh, that'll be key for us to do it again and get to the end of the season and kind of look up and see where we are. You know, you mentioned process and people, you know, are almost apologetic for talking about the process. I know you're a golfer. I don't know if you watched the British Open, but Cam Smith had one of the most incredible putting exhibitions I have ever seen. I've never played with you. Maybe you putt like that, but most people <laughs> do not. And all he talked about is the process. He mm -hmm. wants to hit a good putt, and whether it goes in or doesn't go in is almost inconsequential to him. Yeah. So you talking about process, that's not just coach speak. I mean, you, you really believe that. Yeah, no, absolutely. And you're right. I'm the uh, – I watched Cam Smith that up and down he had. What was that on 17 where he was off the green? And I mean, I would have hit that putt. I'm not sure I would have got onto the green. And if I did, it probably went off the other side and not took a hard left like his did for a two putt par. Um, no, very much so. It's, it's, uh, you know, there's so many highs and lows uh, in this profession. And I'm, me as a head coach, you're judged on 12 Saturdays a year. I get it. And you either are really good on Saturday or you're really bad on Sunday. But then you, no matter what, win or lose, you come in on Sunday morning and you review the game and you learn from it. Here's the things we did well. Here's the things we didn't do well. And we talk about those things, whether we won or lost. And, you know, every game there's that you win it, there's things that you could have done a lot better. And we, we talk about that. When you lose it, there's positives to take from the game that you lost and, and some things you can build on. Uh, so we're very, you know, intentional with what we do on Sundays after a game. And then it goes right back into a new week and you know, everything's just so structured and regimented. You know, I know exactly what I'll be doing on a Tuesday in October at 2 p.m. Uh, it's just Groundhog Day over and over and over again throughout the season. And it really is very much process oriented. Like, here's our process and here's what we do each week. And you get to Saturday and and see what happens on the field. And then you get you come back or come right back the very next day and, and get ready to do it again the next week. We're going to pause right there. More of my interview with Coach Shane Beamer next. Hey, folks, it's your man, Keyshawn Johnson, here to talk about Angie, formerly known as Angie's List, your go-to home services, marketplace for getting all your jobs done well. Now you might be wondering, what exactly is Angie? Well, let me tell you. It's the nation's largest home services marketplace, connecting over 150 million homeowners with skilled professionals to tackle any project, big or small. As a homeowner myself, I always have things I want to work on for my house, whether it's general home renovations or fun projects like putting in a pool. With over 200,000 pros in their network, Angie makes it a breeze to research, compare, and hire pros, ensuring every job is done well. Whether you're fixing a leaky faucet or planning a full kitchen renovation, Angie's got your back. And get this, folks. Angie's pros aren't just any old contractors. They're your neighbors, often running small businesses right in your community. Plus, 
They've been rated and reviewed by others in your area. So you know you're getting quality service. So why stress over home projects when you can turn to Angie? From finding the best price to scheduling a pro at your convenience, Angie's got you covered every step of the way. So get started today at Angie.com. That's Angie.com or download the app today to get started on getting all your jobs done. That's Angie, your trusted ally in home services. All right, you were considered one of the best recruiters in the country when you were an assistant coach. And, and for South Carolina fans, when we think back on the high-profile recruits that we've had over the last however many years, your name is connected with a good number of them. But now you're a head coach, and you're also a father, and you're, you're a husband, and you have all of these other responsibilities. I think I know the answer to this question, Coach, because you wouldn't be texting a guy with no eligibility that runs a seven four forty to wish him a good day. If you were not like actively involved in relationships, but how, how do you I mean, rec- is recruiting different even when it was when you were going after the Jadavion Clown is Marcus Lattimore, Stefan Gilmore, Alshon Jeffrey, all those. Is it, is it different? Very much so. Uh, social media wasn't prevalent like it is now. You know, so back then, I mean, I uh, there was no Twitter, uh, or if there was, I didn't know about it. But back in, I'm talking like 2007, eight, nine, when I was here before with Coach, you know, Coach Spurrier, you didn't have Twitter. There wasn't Instagram to communicate with people. Uh, I think back then, I don't think the NCAA even allowed you to text recruits uh, back during that time. So it was still the same amount of effort and hard work, but it was it was it was different, you know, not that we don't write handwritten letters anymore, but that's about all you did sending handwritten letters and talking on the phone. And, and I do think it's changed because so many young men, pretty much all of our society, it's less talking and it's more this, you know, texting now as well. So it's, it's, you gotta, it's different in the communication for sure. Um, But, and if anything, it's only increased the amount of time um, because I don't know, I'm wired, probably like a lot of coaches, but just wired differently. If it's a Saturday or Sunday afternoon and I have nothing going on, it's almost like, okay, well, I need to be doing something right now recruiting-wise. So I yesterday, you know, sat there and was watching, yesterday being Sunday, the was it the senior, senior open, I think, was on and sat there and watched that and just texting recruits, you know, throughout the day and things like that. So it's easier to communicate with guys now because there's more means to communicate. That's different. Um, and then it's, it's even more time consuming, which I enjoyed. I enjoy developing relationships and getting to know people and, and, uh, and, and talking about this program uh, as well. All right. I'm going to ask you a question that has always interested me and I've never, you're the, you and people in your line of work are the only ones I can ask. So, you, I have the sense that you love the fistering quarterback who runs the scout team just as much as you do the starting quarterback, but they all can't play. Mm-hmm. So, and you've recruited, I mean, you haven't recruited all these kids, but you've been at schools before where you had a hand in recruiting most of the kids. How do you handle a young man that you recruited, but he's like third or fourth on the depth chart? And, mm-hmm. and, and your heart breaks because he wants to get on the field, but, but the practice or the performance is just not there. How do you handle those conversations? Yeah, I know it's tough because you're right. Um, 
I do care about that fifth string guy as much as the starter at each position. And, and I love the fact that, you know, as an assistant coach, you're responsible for the guys at your position. As the head coach, I'm responsible for everyone in this program. And I love that, that I can have those relationships with, you know, a hundred, we have 119 players on our team. So 119 football players here at South Carolina, I get to have those great relationships with, um, Having said that, it's hard because you do care about all these guys and you want them all to be successful. So, you know, honestly, for us, Trey, it's just it's treating them, treating everyone in their program with respect uh, and then just being honest with them as well. Uh, and, and everyone, everyone wants to play. Everyone's role is different. You want every single person to be a star in their role, whatever it may be. And, uh, and, and that's what we try and do. And, and not everybody is going to be the starting quarterback at South Carolina. Not everybody is going to play 80 plays a game. But you can have a huge impact on this program in, in, in different ways as well. And, and that's what we try and talk to our guys about. Uh, we want them that they may not be playing as much as they want on the field, but certainly want to make sure they're enjoying their experience as a football player here at Carolina. And, and then ultimately just having conversations with them. I mean, we lost – we lost um, some players to the transfer portal after spring practice, and it wasn't because they were unhappy, but at the end of spring practice in April, I met with every player on the team, all 100-whatever came in here after spring practice, and I had honest conversations with them that, hey, you're going to be a junior, senior I want you here. I love you being a part of this program, but here's gonna here's your role as it stands right now going into this season. And, and I know you want to play more. And right now you're probably not going to play as much as some other guys at your position. And I don't want you going anywhere. You're a good player. I don't, I'm not trying to run you out of here, but I want to be honest with you about where you are right now and where you stand. And, you know, we had some guys that left and went to other schools just because, frankly, they weren't going to play here like they wanted and um the easy thing for me to do would have been to sit there and tell them that hey, you're doing great and i think you got a chance to have a really big year and play 80 percent of the snaps but that's not being honest either and uh you know i want to feel good and treat all these guys like they're you know my son and, and and treat them the way that i'd want my son to be treated in a program all right especially down south m maybe other places too uh the head football coach at a major college university is more than just a head. I mean, they're like a cultural icon. Uh, there, some people in your line of work have, have run successfully for elected office. There's a U.S. senator right now that was a coach in the SEC, and then I think went to Cincinnati. So they're powerful influences in our culture. I'm watching the SEC media days. And Nick Saban has invented a word that I have never heard, and I can't find the spelling for it, and it's, I think, pronounced I-ite. And then Kirby Smart has invented a word that I also cannot – no, Jimbo Fisher. Jimbo Fisher has in, invented a word that I cannot find in any dictionary. It's some <laughs> medieval version of dad gum, I think, but, but it's not near that clear. Do you have any words that – I mean, you have to admit, you've heard Saban – and he says, I, and you try to spell that word. There is no spelling for that word. Yeah. Do you have a word? 
I probably do, but I just say things so much I don't even think about it. But you're right. Co- Coach Saban has that. You know, I worked for Kirby two years at Georgia, and he had different expressions and sayings and words that he used. That when he'd say it, I'd be like, what did he just say? And uh, you got to write it down. So um, I don't, you know, I think anybody, my dad obviously was a Hall of Fame coach at Virginia Tech. If you asked anybody that he ever coached, they would tell you that his word was palsy. I don't think that's a word. It's kind of like a throw off on pal. And I think that was like his word. If he didn't quite know your name, he calls you palsy. <laughs> Say, hey, palsy. Hey, palsy. You know, and still to this day. So you could ask any Virginia Tech football player if you've ever been called palsy and they didn't know, they would know exactly. <laughs> I don't call anyone here palsy. That's probably the closest thing because he's my dad. But I, uh, that, that, that was always a good one also. And I, I just thought it was like a word, like a real <laughs> word. And it took me to leave Virginia Tech to realize that no one in the world used the word palsy except for him. <laughs> Well, now you played for him. I hope to goodness he did not call you palsy. I hope he knew, hey, this is my son. Yeah, exactly. I was called other names, but I wasn't called palsy, that's for sure. All right. I know you got to go, but I want to ask you about a couple more things real quick. Yeah. Fall practice starts. Mm-hmm. Uh, for those of us that have never been part of it, I think now most college coaches, at least at your level, they may call it like training camp. Uh, they, I think they use terms like the professional teams use. Mm-hmm. What's it like for for those of us never been in hundred degree Columbia heat in August? Yeah. What are the practices like? Uh, you know, it's um, first of all, it's a great time because it's the one time all of our players are here to go to school and get a degree from South Carolina, obviously. But preseason camp, training camp, August practices. That's the one time of the year where there's there's no academics. So it's all football. And, you know, during the school year, you're limited to the amount of hours that they, that your players can be doing football activities where during preseason camp, there's really no limit. So, um, you know, it's long days for our guys. It's it's, uh, you know, we start meetings every day around seven, seven thirty, depending on the day in the morning. And then they're over here at night until, you know, 9, 9.30 at night with practice and meetings and walkthroughs. So, you know, physically it's hard because it's practicing every day in the heat. But it's a really – it's a mental grind too because it's just being making – you know, staying focused in meetings and walkthroughs and things like that. And it's so much team building because – uh, you see a lot of these NFL teams, they go away for training camp to different college campuses. And, and we don't do that. We stay here. But but it's a lot of team building. Um, uh, it's you're very intentional. I mean, I spent a lot of time on planning August out, being able to look back at notes from last year. OK, here's some things that we did in August that were good. Here's some things that we need to change. So being able to constantly improve and get better, uh, mapping out the days, you know, down to the minute, you know, as far as what everyone's doing, the practices, making sure you get everything in that you need to get in in order to be prepared to go play game one. Uh, you know, our first game this year is at, is at night, but then our next two games are at 12 noon Eastern time. So, you know, mix it in some practices. We'll have some morning practices. We'll have some afternoon practices. We'll have some night practices. So it's a really, really fun time, you know, as a coach, it's, it's great bonding and it's uh it's a lot of hard work, but the NCAA has done a great job of, um, making sure there's a balance too. you got to keep, you can't just go in there like the old days and just grind your guys to death and, 
and wear them down. You got to be smart about how you're, you know, working as well, because understand that you come out of preseason camp and then you've got 12 SEC Saturdays uh, playing or 12 games, 12 games in the SEC, you know, coming up after that. So you got to be smart. More of my conversation with Coach Shane Beamer is coming up. Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. I wasn't going to ask you this, but I got to ask you because selfishly, I'm I'm curious. So you you start off with Georgia State at night, and then you've got Georgia and Arkansas, maybe not in that order, but Georgia and Arkansas at noon. Do you have any control over when your kickoff time is? Mm -mm. No, um, I don't. It's well, I say that there's typically one game a year I think I'm saying this right one game a year it's a usually that's a non-conference home game where we can have a little bit of say on what time uh, we play and uh, you know selfishly I'd play at like 9 a.m be done and home by one in the afternoon <laughs> but I know our fans don't want to hear that um, but no we I don't have much influence it's all driven by TV so like when we found out the kickoff times for our first three games when that was released to the media I think I found out 24 hours prior here's what time it's going to be and then I'm like I'm like everyone else uh, it's always 12 days out it's always the Monday 12 days before the next game that you find out your kickoff time. And I'm like everyone else. I'll find out the same time on, on Monday mornings during the season, what time our game is going to be two weeks later. All right. Two more things I want to ask you, and then I'm going to let you get back to planning. You got a big cookout coming out Friday night. Uh, I, I got to be honest with you, coach. I, I have not been by the PO box. I, I think it's probably there waiting on me, but I have not, I've got four years of eligibility left. I, I don't, I'm a, I'm a zero star recruit, but you don't pay attention to the star recruit. You don't pay attention to that, do you? We don't. We don't pay much attention to it. And as far as your invitation, there's going to be like a separate cookout that we'll have for you down the road. That we'll we'll get you here for that one. Oh my heavens! No, do not. Uh, if you have a golf, a senior golf, if you're ever the coach of the senior golf team, uh, you should consider me. But until then, don't. I'm gonna ask you about to carry on Joiner because I've been a fan of his. Uh, really since high school, and he's a quarterback. He won at Georgia. Um, uh, we, we had some injuries, and, and they put him in, and he won at Georgia. And, of course, he was the MVP of the Mayo Bowl. I heard him recently, I think, say that he wanted to go to law school when he finished playing sports. How do we talk him out of that? How do we get him to set a higher goal for life than being a lawyer? <laughs> uh it's a good question we need to uh clearly we need to bring you uh, to columbia to sit down and visit with him to make sure he understands what he'd be getting into but he will be successful no matter what he does uh he's already successful i mean he's done so much uh uh for him for this program on and off the field in his time here and and when his football playing days are over 
Um, you know, I, I want to be near what he's doing because he's going to be a, a successful and, and be a star for sure. You're right. It is fun to watch him interviewed and watch him play. And my eyes lit up when he uh, when he said that because um, he would not be the first former South Carolina Gamecock. Todd Ellis also mm-hmm. uh, went to law school. Um, yep. And, and there have been others. Uh, you are – I'm going to let you go with this. You are the best I have ever seen. You start all your press conferences by talking about other um, athletic programs within the university. And we've got Aaliyah Boston, who was up for uh, ESPN Women Athlete of the Year. And how in the world she was not invited to the ESPYs, I, I, don't, I don't know that. Um, you got Lamont Paris, who just signed the number one ranked – uh, or he committed, so you may not can talk about that. He committed, but I don't think he signed, so maybe you can't talk about that. But I know that you are a huge proponent and supporter of other USC athletics, so I'm going to let you go by saying whatever you want about the other programs or maybe you're not as high profile as your own. No, you're right. I, it's, um, it's what I love about being on a college campus because there's just so many teams, Carolina teams that we can go cheer for. And um, one, selfishly, there's some fantastic coaches on this campus uh, in different sports uh, that have won at a high, high level, that have won national championships, being able to just pick their brain and learn from them and, and go watch their teams practice and just talk, talk sports. It may be different from an X's and O's standpoint, but we're dealing with a lot of the same things when it comes to – uh, uh, college students that we're coaching and recruiting and all that. So being able to learn from them, um, uh, as a dad, being able and a husband, being able to take my kids to go watch our basketball team play or our volleyball team or our soccer or tennis or whoever it may be. Um, I love being able to just take them to sporting events. I'm a sports fan, uh, in general. So just, I love being on a college campus and that sense of community and family here with Carolina and being able to support everyone, you know, for sure. And then you, you mentioned it earlier, Trey, like I realized that uh, there's a lot that goes with sitting in this chair as the head coach at, you know, South Carolina, uh, head coach in the SEC, head coach in the South. And, and uh, I realize it's more than just uh, coaching the team and, and being in williams Bryce stadium on Saturdays and, uh, it's it, it's about being involved in the community and across the state and, and things like that as well. And and uh, that's something that I really am passionate about and, and love, uh, love doing, truly love supporting other sports and, and being seen. And and obviously football gets the majority of attention across college athletics and whatnot. But there's so many fantastic athletes and coaches on on all college campuses, not just ours. And, you know, being able to go and learn from them and watch them is pretty cool. Coach, you are an amazing ambassador, not just for the University of South Carolina, but just for decency in general and for your faith. I mean, it's impossible to watch you interviewed or hear you talking um, and not think, you know what, I'd love for my kid to be under his leadership and guidance for whatever period of time. I can't even get my Clemson friends to find anything negative to say about Shane Beamer. My (laughs) goal is for you to go on a six or seven game winning streak against Clemson. So I begin to hear more of that, that, that is my lifetime goal, but it's a testament to your character that you, you are not just well liked, but so well respected and, 
And I'm going to say that you got a tough schedule, whatever the record is. Um, I'm saying that before the season and I'm going to say that after the season, but good luck to you. I hope all your young men remain healthy. Um, I hope uh, some of the referees that called a couple of our games are working other games uh, <laughs> on Saturday. And that was me that said that, and he did not react. <laughs> that was not me, Commissioner yeah. Sankey. That was not me. Uh, Steve Shaw, if you're still the head of uh, referees for the SEC, that was me that said that. <laughs> Do you know him? He used to be a referee. Do you remember he him? Did. He did. He uh, Virginia Tech played in the national championship game. Michael Vick was our quarterback, and we played Florida State. And Steve was actually the referee in that game. Um, and then uh, obviously got to know him as I got in, got into coaching as well. So Steve uh, heads up a lot of stuff across college football. And then uh, John McDade uh, is in charge of the SEC officials now, and and does a fantastic job so john if you're listening you're, you're awesome man yeah well john if you're listening i'm gonna find your email address and i'm gonna help you make some pass interference calls <laughs> uh during the season good luck to you friday night good luck to you as training camp starts and thank you so much for joining us coach no i really appreciate you reaching out and having me on and look forward to doing it again soon go game yes, sir. you take care thank you you got it thank you Thank you for spending another Tuesday with Trey. Please subscribe, rate, or review this podcast on Apple Podcast or at foxnewspodcast.com. You've been listening to the Trey Gowdy Podcast on the Fox News Podcast Network. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, subscribe and listen to the Trey Gowdy Podcast. Former federal prosecutor and four-term U.S. congressman from South Carolina brings you a -a one-of-a-kind podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com.